Hello, everybody, and welcome to another exciting episode of Meet, Act, and Part. And we're your hosts. I'm Greg Knott. I'm Bill Hosler. I'm Todd Creason. And I'm Darren Laners. And we are very privileged tonight to have with us the Grand Master of the Most Worshipful Grand Lodge of Ancient, Free, and Accepted Masons of the State of Illinois, Stephen F. Oakley. Grand Master, welcome to Meet, Act, and Part podcast. Thank you. Glad to have you. I think the timing is excellent. And as we get into this, you've just issued some guidance that we'll get to later. But why don't you give us a little bit of your Masonic background? How long have you been in the fraternity? Maybe your progression and to Grand Master and maybe a few things in between there. I was raised in August of 86. Immediately, I got in line uh, as an officer at my local lodge, which is East Lodge 504 in Fairview Heights. I uh, progressed through the line, and then uh, I was forceful master of the lodge in 94. In 93, I did receive my uh, certified lodge instructor, and then in 2000, I became a grand lecturer. I served a uh, a year or two as a Grand Lodge instructor, but when I was appointed as a junior Grand Deacon, I stepped away from that so I could devote my time to the Grand Lodge. In August of uh, 2017, I was honored to receive my 33rd degree, and uh, I am a member of the, the three main York Rite bodies, York Rite College, Red Cross of Constantine, and I also belong to the Scottish Rite Valley of the Southern Illinois. But, and that's a, a quick synopsis of, of what I've been involved in over the last almost 35 years. What encouraged you or interested you in jumping in the Grand Lodge line? Well, you know, it was when I finished my term as master of the lodge, our district deputy had stepped down midterm. The assistant area deputy was looking for a district deputy grandmaster. And I just finished my term, and he asked me if it was something I might be interested in. And I said, Sure. And you know how it is. Once you say yes, they've got you. So I started out as a district deputy. I did uh, about four years as district deputy. And then I did four years as assistant area. And then uh, I was honored to, by uh, Most Worship Brother Noel Dix to be uh, made the area deputy grandmaster in the South. And it just seemed like a normal progression. I'd do something, and I always figured that after a certain amount of time, you needed to, to change because otherwise you become stagnant in that role. Whenever they changed the procedure going from the Board of Grand Examiners to the Junior Grand Warden position, uh, I started to think about the possibility of applying. I did that, and the first first time I applied, the guys, I wasn't selected, and I couldn't believe it. <laughs> How could they not select me? But they didn't. And so the next time it came around, I applied a second time, and, and I was selected to start out as, as junior grand deacon. And that's just kind of the way it worked. And so any of you guys out there that uh, have thought about the possibility of uh, entering the Grand Lodge line and maybe you submitted your application and weren't selected, I would definitely encourage you to always at least do it a second time because it may have just been that there was a really strong group of candidates that year and for whatever reason, someone else got selected. Persistence pays off. Uh, most worshipful sir, let me ask you, what does Freemasonry mean to you? And I'm a firm believer in that it means something different to every one of us. In my life, it's been a, a guiding light. It's funny. First of all, I've met some of the most incredible people, and I would never have met so many of them. But it has grounded me and, and has helped me think about the bigger picture in life rather than just 
the immediate knee-jerk reaction to things. And, and it's given me a, a much wider concept of what's going on in the world. And, and so I've been very fortunate. Grandmaster, I'm sure you've accumulated a lot of fond memories during your years in Freemasonry. Do you have one in particular that you could share with us? When I was looking at this and I was trying to think of it, I don't necessarily have one, but I have a experience. And I was fortunate when I first came in to this lodge that it had strong leadership. And I think that's important in the lodge. But we had two gentlemen that worked on our Sunshine Committee. And they really taught me what masonry was. They really did. They went out and they visited every month. They would go and visit 20 or 30 people. They showed what we were about because it is fraternity. It's, it's the love of our fellow man, but our members. And that, I think, is the strongest thing I can remember that uh, seemed to have made a real impression on me. Most worshipful, Brother Oakley, if you could travel back in time and attend any Masonic event in the history of Freemasonry, which event do you think you might visit? I'm really not a scholar. I've read several things, but nothing to the level that most of you guys have done. I've always been fascinated with Ben Franklin. I think he was a true Renaissance man. So I've always been interested in that. That would be a time to go back and see, particularly in all of his movements in the uh, creation of our country and, and his Masonic travels. So in current day, we are making history at this time in our country with the, the pandemic and whatnot. And we wanted to talk to you a little bit about what Grand Lodge is, what they've been facing. I'm master of Ogden Lodge, and I received the instructions you sent out for if we wanted to hold a digital meeting. First, before we get into the technology and some of that, how has this pandemic affected the fraternity? It, it, it's amazing because... We always talk about we're not having good attendance at our meetings, but I can tell you there's an awful lot of Masons out there who are really missing being able to, to visit and be with their brethren. Also, when we had to step away, it caught a lot of lodges short. They were in the midst of planning their spring fundraising and stuff, and so it's really hurt them in that capacity. Just overall, it's created challenges. We have our office staff and all of our charity staff working from home. Uh, we've had to change some of the procedures, particularly with our almost, almost with the uh, in-home visits. We've had to step away from a lot of that at this time. But I think most of all, it's been that the brethren can't be together and socialize. Yeah, I have found that the online meetings just aren't the same as being together. No, and, and they're not. But I tell you the truth, I think that they're not an alternative, but they're better than nothing. We had talked about the Grand Lodge offices when I said we, we had talked about the possibility of going with some sort of uh, virtual meeting when we first started down this road. And my hope was that uh, it would end with just the one month and we'd only lose April. And now it appears that we're going to lose at least a portion of May and maybe all of May. And so I felt that we needed to come up with something that would allow our lodges to at least do their basic business. And that's the reason we decided to put together this quick program of how we could have a virtual meeting and still stay as much within our guidelines as we can as far as privacy and being able to tile a meeting 
Yeah, because when I look at the guidelines, and it's amazing how much really we could come close to replicating a, a meeting. And for folks that don't have them, the Grand Lodge of Illinois has said you can do your business on Zoom, but just notify the Grand Master first for a dispensation, and there's a suggested outline or a agenda. One thing we won't do in Illinois during those meetings is vote receive petitions only because of the nature of the secret ballot that we do uh, when we bring in new uh, voting on new members. Frankly, I read them and I thought they were pretty flexible. I think you did, you just did a good job of putting them together, given the use of technology and then some of our customs and traditions that we we still need to maintain regardless of platform. So when we first started down the path of trying to put this together, we were actually going to include all the ritual uh, and all the work other than the floor work, of course, because you couldn't do that. But the concern was, and that is, is that if somehow someone were to, to copy it or somehow release it, I didn't think it was appropriate. And that's when we decided to make the change to go from the master's gavel rather than all of the ritual because like i said myself not being very technology savvy that i wanted to make it to where almost any of the guys with just a little bit of help could pull this off and i think this does that yeah i think it does too and uh there was a group i was had a social online last week at saint joseph lodge that darren and i are members of and you know, it was actually pretty useful just talking to all the guys. And so we're at some point, I think we're, we may try one of these stated digital meetings down the road, but we're going to wait a little bit and see what happens. So we were talking off air before we get on a little bit about what do you see down the road, maybe for the use of digital technology and uh, for brothers that were out of state or somewhere away? I learned a little bit about this by visiting with Hesperia Lodge on a social meeting. And also, I was uh, at an actual uh, digital meeting at Blockport, and they actually did a complete online meeting. And the thing that I found was that we had brethren who belonged to the lodge but live in Florida or California, uh, Ohio, and, and these brethren were able to attend that social meeting and even the uh, the stated meeting. And many of them made the comments about not having been able to, to attend meetings for years because of the fact that they're not, not in town. And that's got me thinking that we need to look at the possibility of allowing some of our members to visit our stated meetings electronically rather than just in person. I think it's a great idea. Part of it, like you said, so many of them live out of state, or we have a lot of older members that just don't make the drive anymore to the lodge building, and, and maybe they would jump on on occasion too, and it would be a way to connect it. So let me ask a more general question than have my other fellow co-hosts here jump in too. So as we come back, do you foresee changes as Masons, we greet each other and we shake hands and, and do things like that, but CDC guidelines right now say don't. Do you see a change in our ritual or do you see a change in our practices or what, what do you think's ahead? I think we're going to see a change in the physical contact. Even if we leave it up to the individuals to make the decision, I think that most are going to opt for some sort of nod or uh, just a, a vocal how you doing rather than uh, the physical handshake. And I think that 
that that will be encouraged. I think that's going to be important that you guys understand it. It's going to be kind of different because we almost have to look at the northeastern area separately and, and make some sort of uh, guidelines for them. And the, the more rural areas, they're not infected in near the uh, quantity of the northeast. You know, there may have to be a, a slight variation in what we say, here's the guidelines for, for what your lodge should do during this time. As far as changing any of the uh, floor work, in the very beginning, I'm going to ask the lodges to hold off on degree work. I'm not going to prohibit it, but I am going to ask them to hold off and just to make sure that we're still settling down and that we don't have a huge spike in COVID right after we start to move around a little bit. I have already discussed with uh, the fellow Grand Lodge officers, at least some of them, the possibility of uh, having a festival in the spring of 21. I wasn't planning on doing a festival during my term, but I always said unless something really big happened to cause me to, other that I would if it because in other words, I wasn't closed mind for it. But I think that this is going to be something that we're going to need to do just so the lodges can catch up. I know lodges are already looking at the possibility of blue lightnings. That's going to be another option. And we have a third option, and that's what is called a Grand Masters class. Grand Masters class is a blue lightning that has more than the uh, 14 maximum candidates. We'll look at all those options to help the lodges keep their degree work processing. But I think that at least in the beginning, I'm going to ask the lodges to kind of hold back on degree work until we get started and we make sure things are going to flow well. That makes that makes a lot of sense to me. And we did a previous podcast with a, a guy out east, Eric Marks, who's a mental health professional. And we were even talking during that episode of when men come back, Will there be some of them that have some trepidation about getting back into groups? And so we need to be conscious of that. It, it just, we won't start up right from where we left off and people are going to approach it at different speeds. I think you're just taking the right approach on the degree work and all that. Just ease back into it and, and make sure that we're all going to be well and taken care of. So we've got the full spectrum. We've got people that even now are completely terrified. I mean, they're, they're just, they can't hardly take a breath. They're just so concerned that they, they just can't hardly do anything. And we have guys who are doing whatever they want to do, whenever they want to do it. And we as a, a uh, fraternity, we have to find that middle ground where we're keeping our members safe or as safe as possible. Always make sure I don't say it completely because there's nothing that we can do to make everybody safe. We can only try to do as much as possible. But I think it's important that there's a compromise between the I don't care and I'm terrified. Let me toss it over to Bill because your question kind of feeds right into this. Most worshipful sir, what message do you have for the Freemasons of Illinois? My message is, first, I want to thank all, all the members. You know, I first issued the order that said we were going to stay at home. I was concerned that I was going to get a lot of bad feedback, but I didn't. And I received a lot of compliments from our members thanking me for being decisive and making this move. But it wasn't just me. 
And that was the thing I want everybody to know. We've got six Grand Lodge officers that are on the board of directors, and we have two that are members of the board that don't vote. That's the two deacons. Everybody had input in, into that decision. You know, we didn't all agree on everything, but when it came down to it, we all thought we needed to do something. And so that was the reason that decision was made. I would also like to tell them the main thing with all of us is going to be when we start back up is that you as an individual person, Mason, man, family member, husband, brother, father, you have to make a decision on what you're comfortable with. We can tell you, don't shake hands, and we can tell you if you can wear a mask. I know one Grand Lodge they put out that uh, what they were going to do to take care of the handshake was they were going to wear gloves. They were going to go back to the to the white cotton gloves, then they could shake hands. I'd have to make sure that they can't be transferred through cotton gloves. There's going to be many options, and there's going to be many things that are going to come. And the bottom line is, is that neither I nor all the Grand Lodge officers are going to be able to answer every question every day when they come up, when a guy walks into lodge and does something that he is comfortable with and everyone else is not comfortable with. And so the lodges are going to have to police themselves. And that may be a little bit challenging, but I think that as long as we all use common sense and try to make sure that what we do is not only in the best interest of the fraternity, but in the best interests of our individual members. And so uh, I'm not going to be overbearing. We're going to issue some sort of guidelines on how we're going to proceed. And I really need the cooperation and support of the fraternity as we move forward through this. Because honestly, guys, nobody gets to say, well, when we did this before, this is how we did it. But we've never done this before. Grandmaster, I've written an article a few weeks ago about having some kind of a Masonic homecoming when this pandemic is over, and you and I had talked about that briefly, and I was curious if you'd had any ideas about doing something like that when we're all able to get together safely again. I have no problem with a uh, homecoming or whatever you want to call it. I think that that would be great, but it's going to have to be a time whenever there's not going to be any hold on social distancing because. We all know that if we bring three, four, five hundred guys together, there's just no way that they're going to observe a six-foot personal space rule. So if we were to do something like this, it'd have to be once, and, and I know it may, there may never be a, a 100% all clear, but I think we'd have to be looking at there's a, a real good reason to, to believe that it's okay for us to have close fellowship again. Most Worshipful Brother Oakley, I was curious when this first started to see potentially what the Grand Master in 1918, if he had made any remarks regarding Spanish flu. And going back through the Grand Lodge proceedings, I didn't really see it addressed. However, my question is, did you look back through maybe some of the Grand Lodge proceedings to see how other Grand Masters during times of crisis handled themselves. This is a new situation, but I don't know if you sought guidance in that or not. I sought guidance via my Grand Lodge team. Uh, I did not go back and look in the books, but after I received the, the question, the questionnaire, I did go back and look. And like you, I could not find any place where they addressed anything to do 
with the Spanish flu. They did have some uh, remarks on World War One in there. I know in 1918, I believe that the Grand Lodge voted to send the president a telegram over the war. But as far as anybody stating due to the Spanish flu, we took these actions. I, I didn't see anything of that nature. Honestly, this is a different time than all of those, and just every time it is. And I don't know that you can look back to see how somebody did something in 1918 to try to formulate a plan for what you're going to do in 2020. The times are different. The uh, and it's just everything is so much different. So I know that it was done more by uh, the states than it was by the federal government. I think that I was told that like St. Louis uh, instituted real strict rules and were able to keep the, the cases down. But then when they opened everything up, it exploded. I'm praying that doesn't happen now. But times are so much different that I, I don't really see how I could have applied what they did from back then. The Grand Lodge of Illinois has some very impressive charities. It sold the home a decade or more ago and really changed direction on the programs. Could you speak a little bit about those and, and how they could help a brother uh, from Illinois if that was the case? Sure. I can tell you that the rest of the country was surprised at how fast we responded for for helping our, our membership. Most of them were just putting a plan together, and we had already started to address the needs. What our IMOS program is doing right now is they're trying to make sure that all of our members and our wives and widows, that they have the absolute necessary, the essentials. And by that, I mean food, medication, heat, those kind of things. We're not getting real active in the making of house payments, car payments, other kinds of things like that. We're hoping that it, that as, as we progress, the lenders are going to either forgive some of that or they're going to at least work a, a period out where there, there can be an adjustment and, and uh, to, to get back on track. I'm sure there's going to be some, there's going to be some people whose jobs aren't there when this is all over. And in those cases, once they apply to our, our, our IMOS program, they'll do a full investigation and get them set up and, and help them in any way we can. We have two programs that are mainly involved here, and that's IMOS being the Illinois Masonic Outreach Service, and IMCAP, which is the Illinois Masonic Children's Assistance Program. Both of those programs are working to make sure that our, our Masonic family is taken care of. Should you or someone you know of be in need, contact our directors, uh, Talia of the IMOS and Gail with our uh, children's assistance program, and they'll do what they can to direct you and get you some assistance. It doesn't have to be the individual brother that, that calls and asks for help. It can be someone that, that knows that they're in trouble or in need. Uh, we don't want you to, to be in a position where you're, you're suffering uh, and struggling before you ask for help. Uh, we want to be able to, to try to soften that as much as possible. So those are our two main charities at the forefront in that. And they do excellent. So let me give just one example, then I'm going to pass it to Todd. At St. Joseph Lodge, we support our local food pantry. And we made a donation, and our brother secretary reached out to IMOS, and they were able to 
to send some other additional funds. And the impact was real and direct, and it, it was quick. Uh, so it's just I'm, I couldn't be more proud of IMO. So let me pass it over to Todd. One thing just real quick on that. We have the Grand Lodge itself through its the Illinois Masonic Charities Fund. We have made a substantial donation to the uh, food bank group. It has eight different groups throughout the state of Illinois, and we've made a substantial donation to them. And it will be another one in, in July that will help fund those agencies for that period of time. Grandmaster, i got a question for you. What I'd like to know is what is the very best part of being a Grandmaster of Illinois? The very best part is being able to see and talk with the guys. Uh, honestly, because I've always been that. I love going to Lodge, and I love, you know, just being around the guys. That's the best part. Of course, pandemic probably raises the worst part. Well, we sure appreciate your leadership. Uh, Darren or Bill, do you have any other input or questions for the Grandmaster? I guess the only question I would have is you addressed earlier potential for different rules for the Northeast District versus the rest of the state, uh, given the amount of COVID cases that are up in that district. Should the governor of Illinois open up all the state except for, say, the counties that consist of the Northeast District, are you going to allow Freemasonry to start up in those areas where the governor has allowed us to go back, or are you going to, to wait and just let us all come back together as one? Well, as much as I think that coming back as one is, is a good idea, and I pretty much made this, it's going to be, we're going to follow the governor's guidelines. And so if, if for some reason, let's say the governor said that below I-80 is uh, going to have a different set of rules uh, than above than north of I-80, then I think that uh, I would allow the lodges to operate within the guidelines that the uh, governor has set forth. It probably wouldn't be fair, but then in, in another aspect, it would be fair. I'll just say I just really appreciate your steady, firm, and decisive leadership, but yet you've made it abundantly clear that you've consulted not only your the Grand Officer team, but others. And uh, I just think that is a true exhibit of leadership, especially in time of crisis. But yet you're being creative on trying to help the lodges still do business, come together online. I think that's just a real testament to the strength of the Grand Lodge of Illinois, your leadership team, and especially our membership. So I just wanted to thank you for coming on tonight. Really appreciate it. Didn't know if you had any kind of final messages or closing out remarks you'd like to make. Well, sure. I tell you, first of all, I want to thank you guys for inviting me to participate. Like I told you, I'm not a real good tech guy, but I, I'm learning. And I guess as long as we're stay, still able to learn, we're doing okay. I do. I want to thank you guys for inviting me on. I think it was uh, informative. I also want to thank all the membership all over the, the state for their cooperation and, and understanding during some very trying times. And I think that what we're looking at, hopefully, is a beginning of the beginning, not the beginning of being everything back to normal. I think we're lucky in that we've only had a small number of our members be affected by this. And I hope and pray that we make sure that we operate 
in a manner that we don't turn around in, in our zeal and we end up with a bunch of our members and actually the whole state and people uh, getting sick. I tell you, I'm as ready to, to go back to normal as everybody, and, and I, I really want to, but I know that it's going to have to go slow. So I just want to thank everybody for their understanding and help. I want to thank you guys in particular for reaching out to our fraternity and talking about some uh, some pretty neat things. I tell you, I went back and looked at a couple of your uh, previous podcasts. I was impressed, so I, I want to thank you guys. Well, thank you, and uh, again, thank you for joining us. And we encourage all of our members to stay safe out there. Uh, if you need assistance and you're in the jurisdiction and a member of the Grand Lodge of Illinois, you can reach out to the IMOS program that was mentioned. Or if you're in another state, check with your Grand Lodge. There's probably a lot of innovative things going on. But the key is stay safe, keep in contact with your brothers, and do what is necessary to get help get us through this. So. Until next time, we appreciate everybody joining us here for an episode of Meet, Act, and Part.